0: You are listening to the official Acts Two podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning. I feel like I'm about to come out of my skin. I am so excited. I really am. I. How many, how many were here for last weekend, our Kingdom Culture weekend? Let me see your hand. Yeah, that just was like, man. I felt like what happened with that was we went in, out and gathered some really good quality firewood, and then we had a team of our friends come in and ignite it with us. And we had a wonderful Holy Spirit bonfire this last weekend. It was really fantastic. Um, if you guys haven't, uh, if you weren't here, you can get the podcast on that. And I'll also encourage you also to get the podcast from the previous week when we did our family summit. That would prob- will probably help you in understanding where we are right now and where we're headed in the future. Um, I do want to say this. For me, it was a, um, this has been a radical shift these last nine months have been a huge shift for me internally. Um, and I'll just say this to you that I said on Family Summit Sunday, you're covered. You're covered really, really well here. There's a fantastic pastoral team that we've got, and I felt like it's, it's so strong as we've identified the grace and the giftings in each one of us, and we've allowed each one and empowered each one to walk in what they have. So what that means is I'm not toying around with the apostolic anymore. It's mine. It's mine. It's what I do. It's who I am, uh, and I will continue to call you guys higher. I I really feel like we haven't yet even begun to scratch the surface of what Christ has allowed for his church to walk in. There is so much more. There is so much more for us to walk in. So (laughs) Family Summit Sunday, we talked a lot about our mission, our vision. We talked about core values, and I want to continue with that a little bit this morning. I want to talk specifically about revival. And yeah, come on, revival. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, come on. Can I get an amen? Come on. I'm going to start preaching up in here. (laughs) Yeah, I am just, I'm really excited for this. I'm just absolutely about to come out of my skin right now. I feel so good. So everybody just do this with me for a minute. Just hold your hands out. Say, Jesus, it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Come on, say it with me. It's all about you, Jesus. Everything comes from you. Everything points to you. Everything exists in you, and everything is sustained in you. You are the pinnacle of creation. You were the answer to all of mankind's problems before they ever began. You sustain us, and it's all about you. Amen? Amen. So let's talk about revival a little bit this morning. Oh, gosh. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I'm going to give some definitions of revival because when you talk about revival, It's a common enough word, especially within the church, that everybody, if I were to ask the question of each person here, everybody would have a close definition, but it would probably be just a little bit different, depending on our perception. So I looked it up. Because that's what I do. I have a Webster's Dictionary. All my messages come out of that Webster's Dictionary. Revival says this. Restoration to life, consciousness, vigor, Or strength that sounds good doesn't it so I say that again restoration to life consciousness vigor or strength the second definition was this an awakening in a church or community of interest especially in care for matters relating to personal religion that one I don't like as much then there's a third one which is an evangelistic service or series of services for the purpose of effecting a religious awakening, to hold revival. I don't know. I like the first one. Restoration to life, consciousness, (laughs) vigor, and strength. That one feels right to me. I think sometimes we have that perception that when we talk about revival, we have a tent outside, some healing evangelist, come on, is anybody in the room with me? You know what I'm talking about, right? Somebody comes along, And wants to fire everybody up in order to get them to live more Christ-like, more evangelistic. I just think that the design of Christ for the church was not to have an outside influence, but for us to wake up to the internal reality. That what is in us creates revival. In other words, revival is not an external experience that affects me inside, it's an internal experience that affects everybody on the outside. Come on, are you with me this morning? You've heard it said before, revival starts in your own six square feet. Well, how does it start? I don't think it starts by us saying, okay, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going I'm to get it together. I'm going to pray hard. I'm going to fast hard. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to go to church. Those are, things are great. They're wonderful. We need to be doing those things. I personally believe that real revival starts with the stilling of the mind... Stopping all those thoughts those lies those things you guys know what I'm talking about right those things that come at you and say You don't you're not worth it. You can't do it. You don't have enough. You've messed up You're never gonna you're, all these kinds of things to stop those lies for a moment to listen to the voice inside of us Who is Christ in you the hope of glory, right? Colossians says Christ in you the hope of glory Aren't, is this helping you at all? Yeah. you hear me talk about this a lot There is no such thing as a God out there that we're trying to get to come in That's old covenant thinking the entire Old Covenant was about a group of people wanting God to be with them, but wanted to keep him at a distance. Oh boy, I feel a bunny path right here. <laughs> you remember in Exodus when God said, I will make of you a priesthood to all nations. Do you remember that? He said that in Exodus to all the people. The people said, yeah, well, I see all that lightning and thunder going up on the mountain right there. I don't want to have anything to do with that. You talk to Moses and then have him come talk to us. God's design from the beginning was to be in and with people. The reason why we had the law given was simply because the people did not want to get close to God. Let me just suggest that the antithesis of revival would be religion. And religion is any attempt to get to God on man's, by man's attempt. That is religion. Hello? Come on, can I get an amen in a room? That's what religion is. It's any attempt for man to try to get to God based on our own merits. It's impossible. The people saw God and said, I can't get close to that. That's a little spooky. How about Moses? You get close and then come tell me what he says. Do we still have that going on in the church? Yeah, a little bit. It's so much easier to have somebody else catch on fire and then we want to get next to them and start burning. Hello? I think it starts inside. So hopefully this morning I'm calling you up. I'm calling you up to another understanding of what revival looks like it is a reviving of life of vigor but it starts from the inside it's never going to be a force from the outside i don't know why it's so easy for us to go down that road and continue to do that now i'm all about getting next to people that are on fire are you with me when i get near my friends and i know they got holy spirit in them and they are just they've got something something's burning something's happening they're waking up even if it's one little thing and they're waking up to it all i want to do is just get right up next to them Come on, man, rub on me. Just put your hand on me a little bit. Just rub that off on me a little bit, <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay, yeah, there you go. I just want to get next to people who are burning like that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need that to realign the way we think, to come back to the re- superior reality that it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Do you realize you have Jesus in you, right? How many realize that you have Jesus in you? Yeah. Half of you, wow, we got a way to go. How many in here realize you have Jesus inside of you? <laughs> Okay, and you got the Holy Spirit, and you got God the Father. You don't get them in part. You don't get them in portion because they travel in a pack. <laughs> you get one, you get them all. They, go, they work really well together. Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father are not in arguments with each other. They're not, they're not in some kind of hierarchy contest of one person trying to outdo the other one. No, they get along perfectly well, and you have it. Say, I have God as a pack. Yeah, Holy Spirit, Jesus, I got the Father, I got Papa God, I got everything that I need. Uh, Peter tells me that, I've been given everything that I need for life and godliness. Oh, come on. I'm hoping this is helping, because an introspective lifestyle, looking in to find out what's wrong with us, never works. How about we stay introspective, but look to find what's in us and what's right? Hello? Hello? Hmm. Yeah, hold your hands out again. I just feel this. I just feel this. I feel right now. I feel heaven revelation Somebody's waking up, man. Somebody's waking up. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory Come on single-minded focus. Jesus talks about that, right? If your eye is single, right? What are you looking at? Do you look at him or do you look at the problems inside of you? Come on, Jesus. Lord, I'm praying right now that that revelation settle in and stick yeah, just settle in and stick. <laughs> yes, God. Come on, we can stay with this. Jesus, you're good. Amen. Amen. Hmm. I want to set a uh, standard, if I could, this morning. That there's a a cornerstone that we all know about. We all talk about but I don't know that we really understand that it really is a cornerstone. Now, I was a builder for years, a general contractor, and building is done a little different than the way it used to be done, but still the same principle applies with the cornerstone. Cornerstone is a block that is laid when a building gets started, and from that block, all the parameters are set the way it goes up, the way it goes in any other direction, that is the block, that is the anchor point, the benchmark, if you would, for which all parameters will be set for that building. It says of Jesus that he's the chief cornerstone. Amen? He's the chief cornerstone. So I'm going to suggest this morning that the cornerstone that we're building off of is this one thing, that it's the person of Jesus. And what did Jesus come to do? Come on, somebody. Heal Heal the sick. What else did he come to do? There was one main purpose. He came. He came for one main purpose. What was it? To reveal the Father. To reveal the Father. Why is that so important? Because we have a history. We have thousands of years of history of people encountering God. And then he shows up on the scene and says, this is why I'm here. I came to testify to the truth. I came to reveal the Father. I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what he's saying. I only go where he goes, tells me to go. He says the primary purpose was, I came to reveal the Father. Why is that? Because didn't they have a relationship with God the Father for thousands of years? Here's the challenge, I think, what he came to set right. Since he's the cornerstone, he's the benchmark, what he came to reveal is this one fact, God is good. God is good. We say that a lot in the church. God is good, but the reality is, if we're being honest with ourselves, there are places in our lives and in our minds we don't believe God is good. Because if we believe God is good, it would change the way we behave. Are you with me this morning? It's a cornerstone, and it has to be the cornerstone of what we build on. And I'm connecting this to revival because if that is not established, revival will be a flash in the pan. That's all it will be. We'll get something about God. We'll see it and go, oh, you're amazing in that area. Instead of it adjusting our entire thinking so that we start to believe that he's good, that he's always good, and that all he does is good. Come on, can I get an amen in the room? Jesus is the cornerstone. I like the way Bill Johnson says it. He says, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. He is perfect theology. Come on, is it good? He is perfect theology. If we can have the goodness of God, I'll say it this way, if we can have the goodness of God as a foundation stone, it will set the parameters for what we will and we will not tolerate. Yeah, well, what do you mean by that, Andrew? That, here's what it looks like for me. When I have the goodness of God set as the cornerstone in my life and everything that I view, everything that I think comes from that foundation stone, if I get around people who are saying, oh, man, I, just, man, I suck, I can't do that, I'm not, I just, I don't have it in me. I don't have the ability to do that. If you're around me and I hear you saying stuff like that, I won't tolerate it. Because I have a cornerstone that sets what I will and what I will not tolerate. Hello? I won't tolerate it. I'm not going to say bad on you for saying it. I'm going to say, come on, get out of that junk. Come up here. Come take a look at your life from the perspective that God sees you. It's real easy to see what's wrong with us. Might I suggest that's exactly what Satan wants you to do? To see what's wrong? Come on. If we have this set, it will determine the parameters for what we will and what we will not tolerate. Now, when I say that and you initially read it, I know there's some thoughts going on in here. Oh, we won't tolerate sin. We won't tolerate this. It's all about this holiness. Yeah, I get that. I'm just saying, we have put too much awareness on sin itself. We need to come back to who we are. I can speak from personal experience, church. The minute... I had a revelation of God's goodness and who I am. Everything I did in sin ceased in a moment. My bondage and addiction ceased in a moment. February 28, 1999, I remember it. I will never forget that day. It stopped in a moment. Why? Because I realized how bad I was? Because I realized what was wrong with me? Because I realized that I have zero ability to get myself out of this junk and this hole that I live in? No, no. I finally had an encounter with God. God, you're that good? You love me that much? We've been singing about it this morning. Do you believe it? Do you you really love me that much? Put your hand on your neighbor real quick. Something about this. I just felt this even in the spirit. You put your hand on your neighbor right now. And since everyone in this room has the Godhead in a pack, just begin to release it over them. Just release love. Yeah, just say that. Jesus, Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you. (laughs) He loves you. Come on, you feel it? It's moving around the room. Now we're coming together. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, just release that. Love of God. Love of God. Some of you may not like, like your neighbor very much right now, but you know what? They still have the love of God in them. Go ahead, release it. Yeah. Come on, amen to that? There are such a thing, there is such a thing as the absolute word of God. The absolute word of God. I like what Bill says about it. He says, God will never violate his word, but he has no problem violating our understanding of it. He has no problem violating our understanding, and that's a good thing, and I need my understanding violated. And the reason why I need it violated is because the minute I hold a truth about God so tight in my hand that I don't allow anything else to come in, I've restricted him from revealing even more to me. There are things that are held very, that are absolutes. Jesus, born of a Virgin Mary, right? Takes away the sins of the world, right? These are absolutes. They're non-negotiable in the kingdom of God. They are they are reality. Here's another one for you. Jesus is returning, right? That's an absolute. You can argue with that one all you want, but at some point, you're gonna have to adjust to that. It's not gonna adjust to you, Okay? <laughs> There are other things that God leaves for us that are his will, but he set them up in such a way that we can determine when and where they happen. Ooh. Okay, now I'm touching on something. (laughs) Whatever you see in Old Covenant has an answer in New Covenant. When God created Adam in the garden and he started creating everything, he said to him, now I want you to go name the animals and whatever you call them, that's what they're going to be. Now what was he doing? He was doing what his father, he saw his father doing. His father was speaking things into existence and he joined in with him and he says, cow, giraffe, platypus, can't figure that one out. (laughs) (laughs) So he starts naming these, what was he doing? He was co-creating with God. That reveals to us that the very nature and character of God from the beginning was for man to be part and parcel with him and what happens in the earth. So there is an absolute will of God. Jesus is coming back. I can't change that. I can't hasten it, according to 1 Peter, 2 Peter 3. I can hasten it. But there is an absolute will of God. Then there's the will of God that he says, guys, I want you to partner with me in this. I really need you to partner with me. That's why we have the great commission. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. All these things he said, you take those things now and I want you to run with them. Come on, is that good? Yeah. Psalm 115, 16 says this, if you don't believe me. The heavens belong to our God. They are his alone, but he has given us the earth and put it, put us in charge. Okay, anybody in here dealing with identity issues and feeling like you're not worth it? Let me just say, God thinks you're so much worth it. He goes, here, take the planet. Take it. I'm giving you the planet, and I'm giving you everything on it. Anthony wants a little more. (laughs) I'm giving you the planet. The heavens belong to God, but he goes, you know what? I'm going to take this earth thing, and I'm going to give it to you guys. And since I have already taken myself and deposited all of me to its fullest inside of you, I want you to bring change to a world around you because of what I put inside of you. Jesus comes on the scene, does miracle signs and wonders, grabs a bunch of Unruly guys uneducated guys gathers them around him says watch what i'm doing Now that you've seen what I do now, I want you to go try it and we're going to come back. and We're going to talk about it And then after they talk about it, he shows them some more And then he says now i'm going to leave and i'm going to tag you're it now you go do it (laughs) Come on, can we just make it that simple is that okay? Why because he gave us david wrote this Way before he said the earth the heavens belong to god, but the earth belongs to man god gives it to us for a reason I don't know about you, but this helps me in, in this revival thing. Because then I don't have to go look for God to do something. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. I, uh, hmm, help me, Jesus. I have heard people say things like this. When somebody gets sick or somebody dies because of sickness, I hear Christians say things like it's the sovereignty of God. Yeah. What does that mean? I know God is sovereign, I know that, but to say that that's the sovereignty of God, really, what, is, what you're really saying at that point, if we're going to be honest, can we be honest? Can we just be real? Can we be honest here? What we're really saying is, I, don't, I can't figure that out, and I'm not going to step into my role as commanding people to be healed. Because God is sovereign and we just don't know. No, he told us, heal the sick, raise the <laughs> dead, cast out demons. I never see it rescinded. Anywhere in the Gospels, I never see it rescinded. So to say, well, God is just sovereign. I know he's sovereign, but come on. Did anybody step in on the scene and say, you've got the flu, get healed. My son had the flu this week. Every time he walked in the room and he was near me, I didn't want to catch it, but I was like. (laughs) But I, I I would go grab him. I would put my hand on him. I'd just hold him close. Why was I doing that? Why? I've got the kingdom of God inside of me. Are you, are you with me this morning? I, I. Randy Clark made this saying. Well, here's what we do. We take things like the, the sovereignty of God and we throw that around because what that really means is I want to be passive and I don't want to step into this commandment that I have to heal the sick. So what we do is they step in and say, God, if you're willing, God, if you're willing, would you heal? God, if you're willing. When he has revealed to us, he has revealed to us that he's willing. Yeah. Somebody came and asked him one time, are you willing? He goes, I'm willing. Now we should settle the case. Are you willing? You're willing? He's willing. Okay, let's stop going, are you willing? He's willing to heal. But then we start begging God to do things, but we do it from a position of weakness and passivity. Are you with me this morning? We do it from a place of weakness and passivity because we're more concerned about what we're going to look like instead of the kingdom of God invading. If I pray for them and say, be healed, and they don't get healed, then everybody who's gonna around me is going to look like, I well, I can't do it, or God doesn't do it. You hear what I'm saying, right? I, I, There is a reason why we say things in here like this. We don't say, and we encourage everybody, our ministry teams, everything. We do not ever pray for people and say, God, if you're willing, or God, just if it's your will. We tell our team specifically not to do that. That is a place of passivity. It is not coming from a place of faith or strength. We we pray and say, be healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. I've done this so much now. Even in different circles, I'm going away this week, and it's a kind of a family, an extended family of ours, but I know that even in situations like that, I can pray for people, and I can say things like that, and everybody's waiting to see, are they going to get healed? Are they going to get healed? And if they don't get healed, what m- goes on in the mind usually is this, I need a theology for why people don't get healed. I refuse to give you one. I don't see Jesus doing it. Remember, he's the cornerstone. He is perfect theology. If you can't see it in Jesus, you have a good reason to question it. Hello? (laughs) Randy Clark. Everybody know who Randy Clark is? Dude's a beast. Toronto Revival. all started with Randy up there. He says this, To beg God to heal someone is to assume we have more mercy than he does. To beg God to heal someone is to assume we have more mercy than he does. As if we plead more and he catches our heart. God, if you could just catch my heart on how much I want them to be healed. And really he's saying, if you could just catch mine. That assumes I am more merciful than he is. I don't know about you. These things help me. They help me to settle this thing and just go, I am not required to give answers for things that don't happen. I have a direct command and an assignment from my Savior, Jesus, who lives inside of me, who empowers me, who gives me the ability to do anything. And I have seen enough healing. I have seen people with cancer that I've prayed for that have died. I have seen people with cancer that I've prayed for that have gotten healed. What am I going to hold on to? That God heals. He heals. He heals. Put your hand on your neighbor again. Come on, put your hand on your neighbor. Just say right now, because you don't need to know what's going on. You can just say right now to your neighbor, say, be healed in Jesus' name. Everything, every allergy, every back problem, everything happening right now, be healed in Jesus' name. Do you feel that, guys? Here's what's happening. I hope you feel this. What's happening right now is you're starting to access a faith that is already there. It's a God deposit. You don't have to go make it up and grab it. It's right there inside of you. Here, use my eyes and my ears for a moment if you can. I wish I could let you borrow my brain for a minute. Just the places that have been so rewired inside of me that it is not a problem for me to go find somebody that is suffering from the worst illness and put my hand on them and say, be healed in Jesus' name. Why? Because I know that's what he does and I have zero concern for what happens after that. I do know this. Sometimes I've prayed for people like that and they don't get healed in the moment, but they do get healed later. I've told this story before, but I just want to encourage you with something, because testimonies are wonderful, right? Testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, Revelation says. So if I testify of Jesus, you're getting prophesied over. My nephew lives in Texas, comes to visit. They've been, you know, a few times, they come in the summer, hang out. He's got food allergies. He's got allergies to his allergies. He's got allergies from air. He's got allergies from sight. It doesn't matter. Everything in his life he's allergic to. You know what I'm talking about? Poor thing, it's terrible. Every time his family comes, they take all the food out of our cabinet, put it in the laundry room, store it, and then they go buy their own food. That's how how high of allergic reactions he has to everything. And we were sitting there eating lunch one afternoon, and I see him eating something, and he's hating it. (laughs) I just saw that look on his face like, oh, he's hating it. And I felt, I felt the father in that moment, I could feel this thing of like, God, I don't need you to beg anything. I'm actually, right now, I'm entering into and I'm feeling what you're feeling. Yeah. So I looked at him and I said, Cannon, are you, you ready to be done with that stuff? He goes, yeah. I said, come over here. So we're in the middle of the kitchen. We're not holding a healing service. We're in the middle of the kitchen. <laughs> and he comes up and he walks up to me and I just said, Jesus, heal his body. And then I send him back to his chair. About six months later, I get a call from my sister. She goes, you are not going to believe this. We just went to the doctor to tap him tested. He's not allergic to anything anymore. (laughs) Here's the funny part about it. This, what, was he 10 at the time? Something like that, 10 years old, (laughs) roughly? This kid had so much faith, he was like, yeah, I believe that. So, I don't recommend this children if you're in the room. <laughs> I don't recommend this adults if you're in the room. <laughs> he starts just deathly allergic to nuts and dairy, okay? Let's just pick that one out for a moment. He starts going down to the refrigerator at night and taking drinks of milk. <laughs> He's going to test it out. Yeah, he doesn't tell his mom. Oh my he doesn't tell his mom, doesn't tell his dad. He's like, I'm healed. And his older sister knows about it, and she's with him just to check, just to make sure nothing <laughs> happens bad, so he'll have a... And then they'll go back to bed, or they'll come, you know, wait till the parents aren't home. He'll try eating some nuts, or he'll do. So- and all of a sudden, this kid is like, he keeps telling his mom, "Mom, I'm healed. I'm healed." He's not telling her what he's doing. <laughs> he's just saying, "He's just saying, Mom, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm totally fine." She's like, "Yeah, yeah, honey. Yeah, okay. Jesus can do that, you know." Finally, it takes the doctor doing the tests, running them, and she calls me. You won't believe it. Actually, I probably will. Tell me. Yeah, he's healed. He's healed from his allergy. You see this? You see what I'm saying? I'm sharing this with you guys. I hope this isn't. I hope you understand. I'm not trying to point to me. I'm pointing to the fact that I have Jesus inside of me. And you do too. This is revival. When we talk about revival, it is not an event. But if you carry revival, you will cause an event. And you don't have to work yourself up to get it you don't have to strive and fight and do you know what all this anybody ever grow up in a church where okay i'm not going to pick on anybody (laughs) i had an understanding for a while that if you wanted to get something new from god you had to fast i'm all about fasting jesus did that but fasting doesn't get you anything you remember the story of when (laughs) jesus yeah to get you hungry In other words, you're not going to get anything from God. Don't misunderstand me here. I'm not dissing fasting. What I'm saying is fasting becomes something. Not that I'm, I don't do it. I don't fast in order to get something. I fast in order for my body to change a little bit. Because when my body changes a little bit, I recognize what I'm really thinking. And I have an adjustment. And it causes me to see through the cloud of what goes inside of me to see what's going on inside of here. Does this help? But to think that fasting is going to get you favor with God, then you're missing the point. That is not the point at all. But people pull out Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, this is the fast that I've chosen. Yeah, if you really read that chapter, he's actually saying to the people there, stop fasting. That's what he's saying there. He goes, you're doing it completely wrong. It's true. I'm not lying. You can go read it. We turn it into the fasting chapter. When he's saying, don't fast. Mm-hmm. We don't, in other words, we don't need to persuade God for anything. He was so persuaded by human need, he sent his son. He sent his son and he took care of every problem. So now he's not persuaded by human need, he's persuaded by faith. Yes. And faith is what? Substance. Faith is a noun. In the Greek language, faith is a noun, it's not a verb. Faith is a noun. Noun is substance. Person, place, or thing. That means you own it. It's a thing. That's why James talks about it. He says, you sow me your faith by your words, I'll show you by my works. He's not saying faith and works are equal. He's saying faith is born out of that. Faith is something I own because you can see it in my life. This is what I do. Does this make sense at all? Come on, I don't think I got you in the room here. Faith is not something you can conjure up. Faith is I believe the word of God, so therefore I will behave accordingly. And after I behave accordingly, now you can say I've got faith. Yeah. Hello? Not sure that one sank in yet. It's all right. We'll get to it tomorrow. You can go over the podcast. (laughs) Our theology, in other words, it has to come from the person of Jesus. Has to come from the person of Jesus. Here's the thing, and and this this is coming from, this is that apostolic thing. We still got a large part of the church living under old covenant realities and not even coming close to accessing the new covenant realities. It's just a reality. And it's sad. It breaks my heart. We still keep waiting for God to do something. It's like, what is he going to do? I was sharing with our OSSM students here on Wednesday night, just after worship. I don't remember what we were singing, but it was something about Holy Spirit come. And I'm careful about those kinds of songs, because I don't want people to get a revelation, or an under, not a revelation, a misunderstanding, that if I pray, sing, hard, do whatever hard enough, long enough, that God's going to come from out there to come in me. And I just paused, and I said, wait a second, guys. This isn't what this is about. I can sing Holy Spirit come, but I'm not looking at it from the outside to him to come in. I'm looking at it going, I know I have everything inside. And so when I say Holy Spirit come, I'm speaking inside myself. And I want myself to be aired up like a balloon. <sighs> out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It doesn't say it's going to, out of heaven's going to flow. It says out of your innermost being. Right. Speaking of Holy Spirit, John 7. He says, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. When I sing songs like that, Holy Spirit, come. I'm not looking out in the nebulous netherland. I'm looking right here. Holy Spirit, come. What am I doing? I'm saying, mind, will, and emotion, stop your stinking thinking. Settle into this one fact that I've got the creator of the universe inside of me, and all I need to do is just relax to let him come out. Come on, is this, help, is this helpful this morning? This is Revival. This is what it looks like. Revival is not something from the outside in. It's something from the inside out. Oh, God. God, help me. Mm, What would it be? What would it look like if we had a church that could live like this? What could it look like? What would it look like if people didn't expect the pastoral team to be able to bring breakthrough in your life, but you recognized you have everything you need and you bring breakthrough in everybody else's lives? I cannot do the work of 120 people. On. But 120 people can do the work of their own, and wow, what about the impact? What about the crazy impact that could have? Mm. The way most Christians approach their concept of God actually states they don't need a revelation of God through Jesus because it's entirely formed out of something that happened before Jesus came. Hello? Moses, in the wilderness. God, why'd you bring us out here? Listening to all the complaining and stuff. What are we gonna do? We're gonna die, million plus people. God says to him, go over there and strike that rock. (laughs) Rivers start flowing out. You gotta understand, this wasn't a trickle. This wasn't like a little, oh, nice little brook. No, this was a, (laughs) this thing flowed out. It had to give water to millions of people, okay? This was like a torrent that came out of this rock. The next time, They come to a rock. What is he told to do? Speak to it. Why? It's a prophetic picture. The rock is only struck one time. From that point on, all you do is talk. Hello? Jesus is the rock. Are you with me? He was struck one time. He doesn't need to be struck again. The cornerstone of God is good. Good. when we have things like tsunamis and tornadoes and earthquakes come and they wreck the land and people die and get killed, somebody in the church, some, I'm sure well-meaning, but misinformed person in the church says, oh, well, that's God's judgment. That's judgment on a nation. That's judgment on a people. Listen, may I be so bold? If God is judging the nation for sin, then he needs to apologize to Jesus. Did... This, did the sacrifice of Jesus take care of sin for all of mankind? Yes. Oh, except for some? Why is that important? Because it establishes, it helps us in our thinking with this cornerstone. God is good. He is good and everything, going in that direction, going in that direction, going in that direction. Whichever direction you want to go has to come from that cornerstone. Remember what I said, it will, t- it will tell us what Then we will, will and will not tolerate. And there are certain things I won't tolerate. I won't tolerate sickness. I won't tolerate people who are constantly beating themselves up and down on themselves. You stop that. Hello, are you with me? What would it look like if we did that? Not because we think that saying bad things about yourself is bad. You can think that, and that's fine. But if you really knew that it's all about God is wanting to say something different to you. Hello? Jesus, help me. Okay, thank you. In the Old Testament, we see destruction. In the New Testament, do we see Jesus destroying anything? Oh, well, he destroyed the works of the enemy. That's what he said he did. I'm destroying the works of the enemy. How many storms in the New Testament did Jesus bless? None of them. As a matter of fact, he spoke to him and told him to be still. I talked a little bit about the fasting thing. I want to say this. You guys remember the story where Jesus uh, commissioned his disciples. They couldn't cast out the demon. The f- disciples couldn't, so they bring him back and say, why can't we do it? And Jesus, before they even asked the question, he cast the demon out of the kid. And the disciples asked, why can't we do that? Now, here's, here's, this is good. This is a good thing. Whenever we see things like, n- like that in Scripture, we need to ask the question. Why were they asking that? They knew Jesus could. Why were they so concerned about it? Why couldn't we do that? You know what they're looking for? They're looking for a theology. I want to know why I can't cast it out. Jesus gives them something. He says, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting, right? And he didn't pray and he didn't fast. And he cast the demon out. As a matter of fact, early manuscripts don't even have fasting in there. That didn't come out until about 3rd century. We find that in some of the manuscripts. He just said this one comes out by prayer. But even with prayer, come on, I'm talking about a revival thing here. Because we think something about if i pray if i get in crisis or something if i get in real hard need then i'll pray at that moment but really praying when you're praying and when you're fasting you're fasting into a lifestyle not into a miracle when you pray and you fast you're fasting into a lifestyle praying into a lifestyle not into a miracle let me ask you this question what drives you crisis or the realm we were meant to live from? Seriously, what drives you? When crisis hits, is that when you're like, oh God, oh God? Or do you go that way when there's no crisis simply because you know there's a realm that I'm desired to live in that I fully haven't accessed yet? Are you with me this morning? This is revival. This is what it looks like. If I'm constantly running to God because I have a crisis instead of running to him when I don't have a crisis and I want something, I still want something and I still have a desperate need, but it's something that I haven't attained yet. It's not because I need him to answer a question. I'm looking at it going, I know sometime in the next week, the next two weeks, I'm gonna come across someone in a wheelchair. I'm gonna come across someone with a cane or a cast, somebody who's really sick. God, I don't even know when where they are. I don't know that they're coming yet. I'm gonna run into situations where people need divine provision coming into their life. God, I'm praying right now. I'm praying into a lifestyle, fasting into a lifestyle so that when I get there, I've got it. That's why I think Jesus said this. This only comes out by prayer and fasting and he didn't pray and fast. Why? He'd already been doing it. He was already into it. He was well into it so that when it came, he was like, yeah, get out. Get out. This is revival. This is what revival looks like. It looks like a people that don't need to get prepped in order to minister. They minister wherever they are because they're always prepped. They're always feeding into it. They're always going, God, there's more. There's more. There's got to be more of this. I know it's there. I need my mind to stop this silly nonsense stuff so I can access this. I need my belief system to change. Psalm 67, one and two. I'm going to give you a passage for, this is revival right here. I'm using old covenant passages, Old Testament passages. Does this help? Come on. This is the prayer of David. He, he prays this thing. He sings it. It's a song that was made for a guitar. I think I got a picture of David just like... <coughs> Dude was a rocker. We make him out this harp. Dude was a rocker, man. Come on, he killed animals. He killed hundreds of thousands of Philistines. He kills him. He's not this harp-playing guy. He's like, <coughs> right? he's a rocker. Oh, yeah. He says this, God, keep us near your grace fountain and bless us. And when you look down on us, may your face beam with joy. Send us out all over the world so that everyone everywhere will discover your ways and know who you are and see your power to save. Come on. You catch that? You catch, I just, somebody put that to a rock song. Come on, somebody's got to put that to a rock song. there's, There's strength in that, there's power. David was known as a man after God's own heart, and I think the reason why is because he caught new covenant realities even in the old covenant. He saw past that veil. He saw past the sacrifice of Jesus, the resurrection, the ascension, the giving of the Holy Spirit. He saw past that, and he accessed something. If he can access it, how much more can we? Because it says, even if John the Baptist, of John, of John the Baptist, no other prophet greater than John the Baptist has arisen, but he who is least in the kingdom is greater than John. So that means if David can access it, that means I can access it. This right here, This passage right here, guys, this is the heart cry of revival. This is the core hunger of a revivalist. Does it sound like Jesus? Remember, He's the cornerstone that God is good. Does this sound like Jesus? (laughs) Read John 17, you'll see it. Sounds a lot like Jesus. Sounds a lot like Jesus. By the way, John 17 is the real Lord's Prayer. That's the real Lord's Prayer because he wouldn't pray forgive us of our sins. He didn't need to. He taught us how to pray. It's not the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Lord's Prayer is John 17. That was a freebie right there, okay? <laughs> Here's how it looks, and this is where my thoughts, if I can give you just a little muse here, and I'm gonna wrap this up, and I really feel like we're gonna do something here. We're gonna activate you guys to become the revivalists that you want to be inside. Your heart screams for it. Is anybody feeling that? I don't mean to make this up, and don't raise your hand if it's not, but if you really feel like something's stirring inside and you wanna be a revivalist like this, let me see your hand. Come on hmm, there's a, there's a bliss in it. There's an ease in it. We do declarations here a lot, especially when we give. They're becoming more and more a part of who we are. Because revival is sustained by one thing. We give away what we have. We give away what we have. That's not an arrogance or a bravado. We give away what we have. When I started this thing this morning, I told you I'm not messing around with the apostolic anymore. I'm owning it. What does it look like? God, bless me beyond belief. Why? Because I want him to bless me to the extent that he knows. He knows that I'm faithful, that I will give this thing away. I'm going away this week to do this one thing right here. I'm not going up there to teach on Holy Spirit, although I'm going up there to teach on Holy Spirit. I'm going up there to Inject a group of people with the kingdom And I want more and I want more favor because I know that when he gives it to me, I'm gonna give it away Remember when Jesus says To him who has more will be given but to him who thinks he has even what he thinks he has gets taken away from him What is he saying right there? He's saying listen people who know how to give what they've got get more But the people who keep what they've got It gets taken away Revelation that is not explored by faith leads to religion. Mm -hmm. You can sit in a room, you can listen to podcasts, you can read books all day long, you can do it 24-7, you can get all kinds of revelation, but revelation that is not explored by faith simply leads to religion. I remember hearing the story of John Wimber, you guys know who he is, Vineyard Movement. Um, I don't remember ex- the exact story. I may get, r- get it a little bit wrong here, but someone who in that vineyard movement, when they were just the power of God showing up, people get saved. Some young guy gets saved, radically set free from all of his addictions, comes into the church, starts reading his Bible voraciously. And at one point he goes up to, to John Wimber and he goes, when do we get to do the stuff? <laughs> he was like, what are you talking about? He goes, that stuff I'm reading about, when do we get to do that stuff? When do we get to cast out demons? Heal the sick? raise the d- When do we get to do that stuff? I love that because his approach was this. You give it to me, I'm going to give it away. You give it to me, I'm going to give it away. I know what it's like. I have tasted and I have seen what the king looks like. I've been close enough to him. I can smell him. I can feel him. And I want to give that away to people. Guys, that's what started this whole thing here, why we got started. Because I knew what it was like to encounter Jesus. To encounter Jesus, to radically change my life, And I know I'm God's favorite, but I'm not that special. (laughs) What I mean by that is, listen, if he can do that for me, he can do that for anybody. And if he can do that for me, there ain't nobody he can't touch. Hello? I was a very angry, can I say pissed off guy? Addicted, shut down. But I encountered Mr. Love. I hope you're catching this this morning it's more than words it's more than something that can be spoken of i'm talking about something where you gain it I'm, I'm, I'm pondering these things i'm pondering things like solomon i got prophesied over on friday night by two guys that prophesied over what i've been going through this week i'm just going to tell one s- story real quick i'm going up to georgia there's a church up there in georgia that has oil flowing out of a bible is that right and they're getting vials of it because of it it's in this area where i'm going and I said to Eddie, the pastor up there at the church, he was like, you ought to get one of those vials. And I'm like, I don't want to get one of those vials. I want to find out where that thing is. And I want to stick my head in the bucket. <laughs> I will put my head down in that bucket. And Dave Jackson comes up to me on Friday night. He goes, man, I just see God doing something with you. It's like, yeah, I don't know, it's like a, something. He's like, I just see you sticking your head into something. <laughs> Isn't that what you said? You said that, right? So <laughs> like, yeah, it's that bucket. It's you said it was Oil? He said it was oil. I oh, man, I'm just sitting here going, oh, God, you know, he's like, that's the Benjamin? What, you know, <laughs> get away from me. I <laughs> you, you hear what I'm saying? Joe comes up to me and he goes, God, I see, I see God giving you wisdom, this kind of crazy kind of wisdom. And this is exactly where I've been this entire week. I've been looking at Proverbs. I've been looking at Solomon. I've been reading this stuff and going, God, I want that kind of wisdom. I want that kind of wisdom that makes the normal thing be shocking. Yeah. Queen of Sheba comes in, sees what Solomon has. She sees plates, and she's speechless. She sees servants' robes, and she's speechless. She sees a staircase he built from his house to the temple, and she's like, why? Wisdom? Wisdom? What would it look like if we carried that kind of revival with us, where we carried that much of the revelation of God inside of us that it was leaking out, that everything we did had so much wisdom on it that people would just look at us and go, you've got answers to some of my problems. You've got some solutions. I actually had somebody, I've told this story before, but I'm gonna share it again. When I was on the road and this whole thing with me radically got set free, I was still traveling on the road with a band, doing the rock and roll thing, and it was not a Christian band. We had a, it was, it was a strange band. We had a button accordion player, okay? Enough said. <laughs> the guy played button accordion. We go in, we do something, we're taking a break, we step out to the back patio of this really dive bar thing we were playing in. He's out there smoking and he's like... Bro, this is like a week after everything had happened to me. He goes, bro, I don't know what's going on in you, but I want some of that. I don't even know what I was doing. Except this. My connection, my revelation of the creator inside of me was so overwhelmingly real. It was so overwhelmingly real that i look back on it now and go, I was leaking everywhere I went. Everything I touched just came out kingdom. I started to see that kind of thing. Whatever I was doing, whatever I was playing, whatever I was saying, I said something to the band leader one time. He said, man, I just don't like why God doesn't give us stuff when we ask for it. And I just, in a moment, it was that wisdom thing. I can't make this up. I said, man, if God gave us everything we needed in a moment, then we'd say we didn't need him anymore and we'd just push him off. Now that sounds great, but to him, that was life-changing. It was just wisdom you hear what i'm saying right. all right everybody stand up here with me <coughs> we've got a few minutes Very good. okay <laughs> 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 you have john according to john 1 the anointing that abides yeah, i'm not making it up the word says that you have the anointing that abides the anointing is the anointed one right i'm looking at that this week and i'm just pondering this anointing what a great thing i picture oil like this thing i'm going to try to stick my head in this week I'm gonna. I'm picturing this anointing oil, God, whatever. And did you know? I looked up the word anointing. Do you know what it means? It means to rub. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I heard that, as soon as I read that and saw that, I heard Holy Spirit speak to me. And I, I Holy anointing means to rub. He spoke to me in that moment. And he goes, Yeah, Andrew, never forget the hands that rub you. Taking me back. I got him inside of me. Come on, does this help you this morning? Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.